0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another, another edition of the Gentleman's Gentleman's Dojo. Dojo.
1: We are in a good, good mood.
0: I love this song, by the way. That's fantastic. I love what, this song. what Dottie Stevens? You Dottie said? Stevens. Okay. From Pink the... Shoelaces, I heard this song driving back from San Diego. Okay. <laughs> back to LA over the weekend, and I just got hooked on this song. I no, absolutely is that 50s, love it. 50s, 60s? I don't even. I think know. she was a young girl when she did this song. Okay. Maybe like 10. Okay. And then she redid it. As a, an older adult, and I think that this—that's this version.
1: Well, it's excellent. It's, it's it, great, right? Very, very, very addicting. Yes.
0: I'm joined uh, once again by Patrick Keen, uh, my buddy uh, of stand-up, and uh, we've known each other for a long, long time. Uh, our other co-host, E. Byrne, is out doing his thing. Uh, we probably won't see him for a little bit, although we will call in occasionally as he is working on his movie, doing tour dates. You're going to be with Steve this weekend at the Sacramento yeah. Punchline uh, tonight through Saturday. So check out those shows. Uh, and we are so, so excited because our guest today, uh, I saw her on CBS this morning, probably about a month or so ago. There was a big story. I don't know if you remember this, Patrick, yep. but there was a woman who was on a Delta flight. Yes. And she was asked to leave by a flight attendant because she didn't want to sit by this uh, woman and her crying son. The flight attendant said, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. And basically what happened was she said to the flight attendant, what's your name? And the flight attendant said, Tabitha. And she said, just so I know, Tabitha, you might not have a job tomorrow. Said this to the flight attendant for Delta. Flight attendant got pissed, Mm -hmm. had her removed. But the bigger issue was that this incident was recorded by somebody posted online and this woman who had this outrage essentially lost her job was put on suspension she worked for the state of New York and it's all about those moments that we have just impromptu those those so-called oops moments that our author speaks about today that you get caught up how many times have you and I been there you lose your cool somebody videotapes it and then now it's over. Yep. There, there's a problem yep. and uh, our guest today uh, wrote a great book called Shame Nation, The Global Epidemic of Online Hate. Uh, Let me repeat that one more time. That was a blunder. Shame Nation, The Global Epidemic of Online Hate. She is the author of that great book, and she was on CBS this morning talking about this incident and so many other issues of online bullying. Please welcome to the Gentleman's Dojo, Sue Chef, everybody. There she is. Very good.
2: Sue, <laughs> thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well,
0: first of all, thank yes, you, Sue. I for- I know that we've tried a few times to make this work and you've been so damn accommodating and we appreciate it, but I I certainly first saw you and uh, found about uh, heard of your book through this incident that happened on the Delta flight where the woman was removed from the flight and you really talk about those kind of oops moments and you know, we can go in uh, to so many of them. Where, you know, after the fact, and this woman who posted the video of the woman having the tirade on the Delta flight was regretful of actually posting it and, and felt bad that this woman potentially lost her job.
2: Right. And it it's, doesn't it seem like every week we see a new headline about this. You have those post regrets, you know, post tweet regrets, obviously, where people are losing their jobs. They're losing scholarships, acceptances. Because of something, some careless or reckless tweets. And it's not only reckless tweets or posts, it's our online behavior too. And in this case, we also have to be conscious of our offline behavior because within moments it goes viral. Like what happened to this person? If you read the book like you did, we open up with, isn't it ironic, plain breakup. Who re- who for- do you remember that? Yes, of course you remember the Kelly Keegan story of plane breakup when when she recorded that young couple breaking up on a plane. So it's funny that you called me on a plane incident when we opened up the book on the plane breakup incident. Well, you, we, know-, you know, we we are living in times today where ninety two percent of us are armed. With smartphones. We're just not afforded the luxury of an oops moment anymore.
0: Well, it's, it's also funny because Patrick and I are both stand-up comics, and... We can prove that to you with our very low incomes, yeah. uh, but but if you if you rewind it for us, I mean, I think both Patrick and I can can look back on just stand up comedy. And we the amount of say, shows
1: where something goes haywire and then well, it's online well, that well, night.
0: Obviously, I think the big incident for us, from what I remember early on, was the Michael Richards Kramer incident. That's right, where he went off at the Laugh Factory, the Laugh yeah. factory and somebody had recorded that. Yeah, by the way, they recorded it with a flip phone back. That was. Uh, you I, that's know, at
1: least ten years, right? Is at that, least, uh, yeah. and they
0: they sold it to TMZ. Yeah. I think they sold it for like hundred dollars, and his career was ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. his. I mean, it, obviously he was, he, something savage. Yes,
2: he was blacklisted for years, sure.
0: wasn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, the he with the yeah, reboot right. of of the Seinfeld through Curb Your Enthusiasm, he had a little bit of exposure and. and jerry's uh comedians and cars getting coffee yeah. that brought him back a little bit and made it palatable but yeah it really destroyed him i mean it
0: really and and, and listen a there few is, minute meltdown or there, not even that there is no excuse for what he said what he did but listen i mean if there were no cameras there if somebody hadn't recorded it i, I think he would have just went on and did his own thing again and and, and that's what you really talk about in the book are those moments right.
2: but, but you know what but don't we all have those types of moments in in real life like in other words we talk about this in comedy we talk about it with teachers how many teachers out there smart people that make dumb digital decisions and and it's the same thing with comics it's the same thing with teachers it's the same thing with you and i the difference is now it goes viral it's magnified by a million so you you're not again we're not afforded the opportunity to say that i hate to say racist comment or that sexist comment if you want to if you want to say something like this like the school teacher out in California the one time that was having a bad day like one of my tips is never air your workplace woes online go have a good session of wine and wine now you both as comics need to understand whatever you're about to put out there on stage you know you do have to be. You know, another perfect example is Kathy Griffin. Now she's trying to make a comeback with what she had done, and, right? And she was has been pretty blacklisted too. I mean, you, where where is that that line that you have to draw between you know between clever and cruel? There there's there's what you want to look at. What's the difference between clever and and cruel? And there is a difference. And you have to understand online. It's a pretty, it's a pretty dark line because between hurting somebody and shaming somebody, it's the same thing. It, it's okay to be funny, but when you're online, your words can be twisted and they can be misconstrued, and that's what happened. Like, let's say back with, um, what with Kramer, Michael, Michael Richards, with Kramer, yeah. he, he just spruited it out without thinking, and unfortunately, even if he felt that way, he shouldn't have said it on a stage because someone did record it. Yeah, and it, I think, it's
1: funny. Several, several black comedians came forward to say, "Well, I, I didn't mind the edge. I just minded that it wasn't funny as a comedian. Sure, <laughs> more offended that it wasn't funny. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's
2: not funny. Yeah. No, it's no, not. It's funny. not yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was right. very it confusing was
1: language. Funny. It wasn't even like what. It wasn't even accurate. I don't even know what he was talking about. Nobody did. It was very disturbing. No, I. I yeah,
2: no, I just remember it was really bad. Well, again, what we have to remember is, you know, um, that temporary emotion is permanent online, you know, you know, anger is temporary. The internet lives forever. And, and it's and, the same thing, whatever you're saying up there on stage, it, it's temporary, but once it goes viral, it's forever. Yeah, And it's viewed over and over and over again.
1: Yeah and that was definitely that incident was on the club there's no way a club should and and clubs now are very they frown upon that they announce at the beginning of shows no cameras absolutely right, no cameras. and right. some even you turn your your phones in oh, do into, they? I did Yeah know sometimes that. you're turning your phone
2: that. into the That's club Interesting yeah
0: Yeah because yeah, they don't want it I mean it's interesting because for me and we've talked about it here Sue on this podcast is I don't know about 8 years ago I did a show in Las Vegas and I did it for uh it was a company event for a group of gynecologists and the, the, the show did not go well. And basically this woman who hired me post a scathing review on a website called gig masters. And it turns out that was my very first gig that I was trying to build up my portfolio with the gig went bad. She gave me a one star horrible review. And from that point I couldn't get work through gig masters. Now the funny thing is flash forwarding, you know, to 2018 I actually found the woman who posted the review and we had her on our podcast. She called in and talked about the incident and the the night of the show. And, you know, we patched things up eight years later. But, you know, again, that was something that was just permanently inked on the internet. And for me, it affected my livelihood.
2: It, it absolutely does. I mean, if you know my story, back in 2003, a woman attacked me, and from 2003 to 2006, I was emotionally crippled, uh, financially and emotionally crippled. It absolutely can can impact your life. Um, and anyone that says it it can't is is absolutely lying to you. I mean, today, I mean today, offline and online, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. Today, your first impression is what the internet is saying about you. If someone goes to Google your name and that review is the first thing that they see about you, the fact is people do not take the time to determine internet fact from internet fiction, they're just moving on to the next comedian, they're moving on to the next lawyer, the next educational consultant, the next landscaper, the next plumber, etc. That's the importance of, of your online reputation today. So these re- And these reviews matter, by the way. This is why it's so important, like what you did, addressing it head on. Like people ask me all the time, well, how do you, how do you address these trolls? I mean, Chapter 7 gives you six different ways that different people have found to address trolls. And it really depends on the individual. And I have found that sometimes addressing them head on can work. And I don't mean like fighting, fighting back cruelly or being mean, but finding out more about that troll, asking them, what is your real name? And, and looking at their profile, seeing, do they have kids? What does your family think about you bashing me like this? You know, or, or exactly what you did, inviting them to come onto your show if you have a platform. And let's talk about this like two adults. I mean, Jen Royal did that in our book. If you read the book, we, we taught, we interviewed her. And I think really having them look at themselves in the mirror sometimes is enough. And I think if you read in my book about what the, uh, Amanda troll, Amanda Todd, Oh my God, bless her. Um, uh, the mother, Carol Todd, what her trolls did to her was just horrifying until she faced it head on and asked them, Hey, do you realize that I'm the mother Of a daughter that took her own life, to make that troll face what he was really doing, and that's why I think I think that's a really important way to look at some of these trolls. And some of these trolls don't care, as we know. Some of them are simply morally bankrupt you know and there's yeah. and and the best way to address them is just with silence you know and and let them move on their way
0: yeah. well sure it's certainly easy The an-
1: anonymous accounts that they oh, yeah. post from yeah it's, it's certainly
0: just... easy to sit behind a computer you know sitting in your basement and and having this is what your social life is it's it's you reaching out i know that i don't know if you remember this story sue but uh, this just happened relatively recent uh, Sarah Silverman comic yep. had somebody who was just blowing oh. up her Twitter talking about what a piece of shit she was over and over yep. again. And Sarah Silverman basically uh, reached out to this person and said, hey, what's what's going on? Like, I, I you really have this it's very deep,
1: disarming. Yeah, yeah you really thing. have
0: this deep, dark anger. And I wonder yes. what, what it's about yes. And and found out that this guy had a lot of health issues and she extended this olive branch to basically help him get better. I think he had some dental issues, some other issues, but reached out to just some doctors in the Houston area and and basically got this guy some help. And and that was really kind of the entry-level point of why he had all this anger. And it wasn't necessarily towards her. It was just he was unhappy with his life.
2: Right. Well, you know, the old cliche hurt people hurt people. And I think that's I think she started a GoFundMe account for him and such. Yeah, it was it was phenomenal. And, and what happened it was a backlash of others. I think it was other celebrities, but other average people doing that for their trolls, too. And and that's what Carol had ended up doing for her troll is she ended up reaching out and, and get, getting him involved with like homeless shelters and giving back. And, and it's all about teaching them that you know what, you're, you're an important person too, and I'm here to help you face whatever is bothering you. Because, again, hurt people hurt people. And I think that's this is where society is. And, and there, it's so much easier for them to hurt others from behind a screen. It's, it's that whole dis, disinhibition effect that Dr. John Suler talks about. When you're behind a screen, it's easier just to throw insults out at, at people because you're not looking at them eye to eye.
0: Well, you're also, there's maybe like a jealousy factor too. I mean, it's easy to go after the high profile people that, you know, you consider make a lot of money and don't have any talent that, you know, it's easy to, I, I remember this was uh, a year ago. We were interviewing Howie Mandel for our podcast and Howie said to me, I could open up my phone right now and go to my Twitter and see over the last hour, 15 people dumping on me. And I'm like. You're howie mandel like i you seem like you would be one of the nicest guys out in the limelight, like how is that possible? And he's like, "Believe it or not, that's what people do. They, that, that's how they manage their time." And this is a guy like. Well, Howie, what,
1: what's is, their problem with a guy like Howie Mandel? Uh, man- do they say he's not funny?
0: Well, case? not I mean- funny. They don't like how he judged America's Got Talent. That person should have gone through. You're a piece of work. Boom, boom, yeah. boom. It's not like you would expect it from a Kardashian or sure. certain people. I, I get that. I mean, they're easy fodder for yeah. people to go after. But a guy like Howie you know Mandel, what really,
2: you know what? Yeah, but you know what really bothers me about that, like with Howard, with 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 any of them, whether it's Sarah Silverman or Howie or or Amy Schumer, who gets it all the time, or any, and she's a comedian too, um, or any of them, is that these are adults that are that are insulting these comedians that are insulting the actors or actresses or just you know it's throwing not teenagers. out the
1: most cruellest,
2: yeah. meanest type of comments. What does that say about us? You know, and, and I always say, you know, it it starts at the top. And, and then I would have to look at the top and go, ooh, ouch, you know. But we as, as parents, we as adults, it really does start with us. I have to tell you that. And I think adults need to start taking responsibility for our own online behavior. We need to start checking in with ourselves. You know, we look at the kids. The kids are always going to be more cyber savvy than us. They're always going to know technology better than us. They're always going to be a, an app above us. They just are. Um, I mean, I go to my son to teach me how to – use the new apps coming out. But when it comes to social responsibility and being kind or being considerate or being mindful, shame on these adults that are insulting Howie Mandel. Shame on these adults that are insulting you, Gary, that don't know how to leave a constructive comment. Listen, if, if I went to one of your stand-ups or anybody's stand-up and, and I wasn't really thrilled with what I saw, I didn't feel I got my money's worth. I probably just wouldn't leave a comment or maybe I would just say something constructively, but I certainly wouldn't give a one star. I mean, seriously, if you can't be co- – our parents taught us this. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Well, if you don't have anything nice to say online, just click out. When in doubt, click out. That's what I like to say because we're not – it also reflects on us. Do you know what I'm saying? People aren't going to come want to come back and look at our opinions if we're going to constantly be crude and rude to each other. And this is what's truly bothering me. Rather than all this, um, what do I want to talk about? Like people, people always ask me, "What do you think of our?" I hate to say the president and his tweets. And I'm telling you, I don't think about it. I don't want to think about him. What I think about is the adults that condone it, that condol- the adults that like it and retweet it. That's where my concern lies. And I think that's where all of us have to really start having the conversation with ourselves. We cannot perpetrate this hate online. And especially again, with comedians like yourself, I mean, we have to start lifting each other up.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's funny Sue, because when I did the gig eight years ago in Vegas, there were two people that were responsible for me getting there and making sure the show went well. The one woman who I interacted with the most at the end of the night said, hey, listen, I understand that our employees were drunk. Probably wasn't the best fit for us to do the show tonight. Maybe we should have postponed it. But listen, you got through it. It's okay. Let's move on. From her vantage point, it was great. The next morning, another person who wasn't even my liaison was the one who posted this scathing review up, which was the part that made me upset because – I walked away thinking everything went great. Ten hours later, there's this review online saying, Hey, this was absolutely awful. So that's what and, and again, when people go to Gigmasters and take a look at your reviews, and the first and only one they see is this one star. He's awful. This that and they're they're judging me just based off of that one performance, not even knowing the backstory that this company I was performing for they were all drunk. They were rowdy. They weren't giving me the time of day. Let's let's talk about that. But that's not listed in the review.
2: But do they give you a chance to reply to reviewers or not?
0: They do, but I because think one, I think okay, it looks like sour one grapes.
2: One thing we do. Hmm?
0: I think they do, Sue, but it looks like sour grapes. It looks like oh, okay. Well, it didn't go well. Now he's just being catty about it.
2: Yeah. Well, yes and no, because you know when when I speak to when we speak to experts in our book. Um, from reputation companies, they tell you, and even in all surveys out there, from career builders to YouGov, et cetera, they tell you that to respond. And even when you look at Google reviews on on different corporations, companies, services, they tell you to respectfully respond to negative reviews. I mean, not to argue with them, but respectfully respond to them so it might be something you want to well you've already had her on but i'm just saying in the future i know when i see a negative review about myself i try to go out there and say you know i'm i'm really sorry that you feel this way about about me um, you know, I hope next time it's a better experience or let, let me know what I can do to improve it. I'm going to try, you know, try to turn it around or I almost try to put it back on them a little bit, you know, uh, just if you can, I mean, if they're completely out of control, you know, you don't, you don't want to infuriate. It really depends on what the site is, the way you're explaining it to me. I don't, I don't, it sounds like it's a a site that's Consistently coming up, and if it's still in the way, you might want to think about it. I don't know. You know, well, I don't. I don't know how important that is at it, this point. You've already had her on, so.
0: Well, it was funny because uh, the boys here, uh, my co-host Stephen and Patrick, always joke with me about this lousy review, and they they read it constantly to remind me of that night as as a joke. It's very funny, and I I still love it. It's very endearing coming from. Well, the you're guys.
1: You're a healthy adapted. Yes, I've adults, adapted yeah. to it.
0: And then one morning, I reached out to this this the uh, person who wrote the review and I said, Hey, we would love to have you on, would love to mend the fence and I will tell you, Sue, she couldn't have been a nicer guest, couldn't have been funnier, couldn't have been more entertaining. And it was great just how we buttoned it up and I no longer carry that weird guilt about the show going poorly or the bad review. And it was just a great way years later to button it up.
2: I think it's great. I think it's fan- well, I think she should go on there and, and amend it. How about that? <laughs> That's what we were saying it's a shame too. We she thought all- Yeah, but 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 then
1: like, but it's like martial arts. What you did, yeah, it's like this. You use their their aggressiveness to kind of quell the situation. I really wish I
2: knew about that because I would have put it in my book. I'm not kidding you. I would have put that if we do a follow up book. I'm going to come back to you because wow, would love it. That's another great way to address you know the troll like behavior. And just so everyone out there understands trolling, trolling aren't always morally bankrupt people trolling, like the woman that did this to me was a wife, she was um, a mother, and, and she worked at a really great company. She was a professional, she was a director. Um, and, and the studies show that any one of us can wake up on the wrong side of the bed having a bad day and just go out there and leave cruel comments. So I think this whole idea that trolls are these little you know people behind computers that just have nothing better to do, or sometimes are hurt people. Not always. Sometimes there's just vindictive mean people and want to hurt you and like you said are jealous. So Yeah, could you, you know, explain that story that
0: Sue? Could you back up to exactly what happened with you and your lawsuit and all that stuff like what how, because that's kind of the the formation of how the book came together.
2: Right. Well, yes, I Back in, like I said, back in 2003, I was attacked by someone, um, we'll call a disgruntled client that didn't like my services and attacked me online. It was a vendetta, and she literally destroyed me, and it was one day I was sitting in my office. Now, if everyone's listening, back in 2003, there was no social media. There right. was no ORM, online reputation management, so I was not prepared for this attack at all, and, and when a doctor called my office as an educational consultant, doctors refer clients to me. He says, hey, "Do you know what Google is saying about you?" I'm like, "What? Who, who even knew Google had a voice back then?" He had tried to refer several clients to me, and all they got was three pages of just a smear campaign by this woman. But anyway, from that point forward, I had to hire a lawyer, and it was like it was the landmark case. It was the first case because this was back in 2003. And in 2006, we went to a jury trial, and I won an $11.3 million uh, jury verdict for Internet defamation and invasion of privacy. Now, again, back in 2006, no social media. So although I was vindicated, I was so happy Lady Justice cleared my name, I forgot about one thing. Google doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let me erase all this. (laughs) So I still struggled because I had shut down my office. I, was, I had to second mortgage my house to, to pay for the attorney, which was very expensive. Um, and then fortunately for me, the very first online reputation company opened its doors in 2006. So I hired them. Um, And within within about seven months, I finally had my life back. So to this day, I will tell you, it was my lawyer that vindicated me, but it was ORM, Online Reputation Management, that gave me my life back. And that's why I'm here to tell you, your online presence is everything people didn't take the time I mean they didn't even believe the doctor the doctor would tell his clients listen I know sue chef I've worked with her for years I mean I've been doing what I do for a long time he he said that's not true what you're reading about her and even the stuff was all like profanity it was slander I mean you could tell it was a smear campaign it didn't matter people didn't believe the doctor they didn't believe anything they believed Google I mean is Google God no but people don't take the time to decipher cyber fact from cyber fiction. They're just moving on to the next plumber, the next next lawyer, the next landscaper, the next educational consultant. I mean, they don't have to anymore. And it's worse today than it was back in 2006 because there is so much – um so many more other choices out there and even you know what even when it comes to and I, I'm not online but online dating is another faucet facet of it um, people that are online dating today if you've been shamed or a victim of revenge porn or revenge, um, if you go out to try to date somebody and you, you finally give them your real name and they pull up any type of negative you know reviews on you if you've been shamed you're, 56% of Americans say they will not even take you out on a first, second, or third date once they start finding negative stuff out on you. That, again, is the importance of your online presence. And just so you know, too, 71% of people won't even apply to a company, a business that has negative reviews on them.
0: Oh, wow. Again,
2: the that's that's according to career builders just uh, in 2017. Then on the flip side of all this, 57 percent of businesses won't hire you if they can't find you online. So we're living in, you know, Oh, you have world to have something. Of, That's weird. You have you to have, have something. To have some, yes. You have to have some type of social presence. But we all can, because I think social media is great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's connecting all of us. And just remember one thing, just like I tell parents too, it's not the it's not the app. It's not the it's not social media. It's all human behavior. It's just, again, controlling our Uh, thoughtful, mindful behavior on social media.
1: And that somebody's seeing that, no matter what, you're not just sending it out into the ether, like somebody is going to call you on this stuff.
2: Right. Right as if the world is watching. Never rely on privacy uh, settings. You just don't. Something for you guys to remember. 15 minutes of humor is never worth a lifetime of humiliation.
1: Yeah, I was, I was going to, yeah, let's say, hey, and, and I'll tell you what, those people that are having trouble with the dating sites, they just need to meet a couple comedians because comedians, <laughs> comedians want, <laughs> say,
0: we have no scruples. Yeah, uh,
1: but I was also going to ask why, why and, and this is just a general question, why are we so inclined if we have yeah. a terrible experience to post something and, and go into detail on some of these things? But if we have a great experience, we're like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll write a nice review. You know, we, we're more inclined it's to go negative. It's always the negative yeah. rather
0: than a good one.
2: I think because you're more emotional about it and that's, this is the problem. Like I, I I constantly preach. and I think that's why CBS called me too. never post when you're emotional because those emotions are only temporary, but they're also when you're like so emotionally that you want to, immediate, like your ADHD, you you have to share it with someone. Well, guess what? Go have a good session of wine and wine with your friend. You don't need to put it up because we're so addicted or attached to our digital devices. It's the first thing we go to. Oh, I have to go share it with my social media. No, you don't. Share it with your friend, you know. Don't share it on social media. But it's our emotions today that are taking over. But again, we have to remember our emotions are temporary. Online is forever. So I think that that's what's happening to many of us. And if you have a negative view review, it's almost more more powerful than something that's just positive. But where I think businesses have to what businesses have to remember to do is if you see someone or when someone's leaving your office or your service or whatever, hey everyone, if you you having a great time, remember to leave us a nice Google review or leave us a review on your way out or whatever on your phone or like us on Facebook. Remind them, because the um, statistics show, I think it's 94 or 93% of people will leave a review, and typically a good review if you ask them to. So if, even if you have one or two people out there that are going to leave you a bad review, you have the majority of them out there leaving you good reviews. Yeah, I've well, studied all this. It's, it's, reviews, also, it's also,
0: you <laughs> can, can tell, it, you can tell too, <laughs> if you look at a restaurant online, it, it has 98 Amazing reviews, yeah. five stars. And then there's those two people. Sure. When we walked in, we weren't greeted with a handstand and a hello, sir. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, you're the asshole. We were like, disappointed. It came we were, so highly
1: recommended. It came yeah, so yeah. highly
0: recommended. I will tell you, I had a, a, an unpleasurable dining experience at a major chain a couple of weeks ago. Service was bad, food was bad, everything was horrible. And what I did was I tracked down the operations manager through LinkedIn, tracked him down for this restaurant in Culver City reached out to him i will tell you he called me immediately and and the whole point of speaking to him was to basically say we had this unpleasant dining experience paid a lot of money for the food very objective i don't want other people going in having the same experience people work hard for their for their food work hard for their money like i i want to see other people go and have a good experience so maybe there's a different way of training people for your your restaurant staff that would be helpful and more advantageous to everybody. And I will tell you, I I literally went into the call saying, I don't want any gift cards. I don't want any of that stuff. But what I want you to do is hopefully train the staff better so more people can enjoy your dining experience. That's great. How much time do you have
2: You know what You know what that's called? That's called Being Constructive. And I think that's fantastic. I, I have to tell you, I've done that too um i haven't thought about saying i don't i don't even think about gift cards i haven't been offered any gift cards but i mean i have done that too where i've you know called up the manager or the owner or whatever and said listen i just had a really now i said i could and I, sometimes i even preface it by saying i have written i don't know if you know who i am but i wrote a book called shame nation <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah but I, not that i'm going to shame them i'm not but i'm just saying listen this this woman at the front desk really did da. I said I don't want anything but you should really talk to her but I don't post anything you know as someone that has been victim of shaming and, and you guys have experienced it too always I'm really really self-aware of what I do to others um, I will be constructive sometime but never mean and there again there's a difference between being mean and being constructive and I'm really really self-aware of what I post online and I think if everyone else would start being self-aware of what they post online' we'll, we'll be in a more civil place
0: yeah again you know? I I really but, felt that it was the best way for him to train the staff or him to get word out there that hey there was absolutely. this unhappy customer and and I just think it's a better way I think it's 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 more positive it's more constructive to do it that way I you know I was gonna ask you sue there's so many people you know that you see in the news for example the woman who uh I think her name was Susan Pires uh there's so many people that you know, are caught videotaped, you know, doing these things. And in the moment, you know, you're you're angry at that person. How could they do that? What a, uh, you know, what an a-hole. What, what, what eventually happens to these people, do you think? I mean, you know, in the moment, I know that companies are probably like, we're going to get rid of them, we're going to suspend them, we're going to this, we're going to that. But do you think that uh, these companies or these people wait for the dust to settle and then two weeks later there's another person who now is in the news causing – conflict in the headlines.
2: Well, let's let's look at it this way. It's really sad you take Adam Smith. Remember Adam Smith? Yes. from the um the Chick-fil-A still to this day I understand he hasn't been able to get a job. We take the the two the two young people from the uh Domino's uh pizza thing. I believe they still struggle. What happens is it depends on how viral you've gone. You, you take the other... What was the other girl's name? Um, I don't know how Colleen Campbell ever came out of hers. Do we know if she ever... Well,
0: she was the girl, Patrick, the prom- that went off at that club in Philly. But what about oh, right. Taylor Chapman, right. who was the Dunkin' Donuts girl? Taylor
2: Chapman. But she had... Now, Taylor Ch- or Taylor Chapman, they they tried to brush off his mental illness. Um, and I don't know. But what, what you have to look at is... These online this online reputation stays with you almost a lifetime. And and it's and it's no different than like Justine Seiko was listen that's a huge one. Justine Seiko. Lindsay Stone still today I think struggles with her online reputation. You know, remember the Lindsay Stone sure. case with the Arlington Cemetery? She gave the finger at the Arlington Cemetery. Yeah, yeah, she struggled visual. for yeah. years, years, years. I mean, but I think what happens is they finally, they settle in and they get they get jobs, you know, someplace, probably through somebody they know personally. Um, we just, they just kind of like go into, I don't know what they do, but they probably just go into society through friends of a friend of a friend, um, but they can never really get a job, I think, and make a good amount of what they could have done had they not had something like this not happen to them. And you know, some of it was not of their own fault. Like I don't think Justine Seiko meant what she did, but I think right. she's doing well now. You know, and not only a big one. Look who wrote the foreword to my book. Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. she that's right. I mean, she she really I mean, she's doing very well now, but I mean, she went almost 17 years, you know, well live she lived abroad for a long time I mean I mean that was she was publicly shamed like no one 's been publicly shamed. you know one thing I want to say to you is when this happened to me when when this happens to somebody like myself or like all of these people, depending on on what the circumstances are, you go into this very dark place in life. Depression, you become recluse. I mean, I know I did. I had to shut my office. You feel like the whole wide world is watching you. And when I won my case, I I became international news. And it was funny, you you know, you speak about Asia. The Asian Tribune was one of the first people to call me. I mean, um, over there, they just take shaming so seriously and, and insulting people. And what happened, what happened was, is, you know, I wrote the, the first the first book well, this is my third book. My first book was Whitsend. My second book was Google Bomb, which was a roadmap to how I won the $11.3 million case. But what happened was by 2010 – I don't know if you remember the turn and shaming, but we started with the Tyler Clemente, the, right. the young man who jumped off the, uh, off the bridge from the cyber humiliation. The Rutgers Then we, student. we, then we started reading about – Amanda Todd and then there was Rebecca Sedwick and Audra Potts and you know these were turning points in my life because I think I, I struggled a lot with PTSD from the shaming because you feel like everywhere you go people are looking at you which they're not by the way but this is what I felt like and um, um, Monica Lewinsky's TED Talk really struck a chord with me because that's how I felt. The difference between myself and Tyler Clemente and Amanda Todd, Audra Potts, and all those young people that took their lives due to cyber humiliation is about 20-something years. You see, I had the maturity to know that life was going to get better. Okay? I was 40-something years old when this cyber humiliation happened to me. What was said about me online was horrific. And I'm, I don't know, There's, I'm sure it still lingers out there. And I mean, I had sexual stuff said about me. I was a crook and I was a fraud and I kidnapped kids and I was a child oh. abuser. And those young people had horrific stuff to about them too. But you know what? I get why they took their lives. I hate to say that, but I mean, I get it. And that's when I knew I had to write Shame Nation, you know, which is more on getting out of this and surviving it. And overcoming it, and then giving you the digital wisdom so that it doesn't happen to you.
0: And, and just w- one kind of final thought, Sue, as we kind of head into the home stretch. What, mm-hmm. w- when do you seek outside help? When is that point where things have gone too far and you need somebody to be an intermediate to help you out?
2: Well, it. I mean, especially if, if you've become a victim of any type of extortion or sextortion, you need to go to the authorities. Absolutely. Um, if you're at a point where you need, like, therapy, absolutely. There's SOS online now. You can get – there's actually free resources. There's cyber civil – Cyber Civil Rights Initiative, there is the Tyler Clemente Foundation that actually has access to even free legal services, free legal referral services. There's so many uh, resources out there now for people. I feel that you should get help as soon as you need, you feel you need help, not like when it's when the individual feels they need help. If you're being extorted immediately, you need to get help.
0: Absolutely. Well I listen yeah. I got to tell you Sue we could talk for hours I mean we didn't even get to the 3 quarters of the questions that I wanted to ask you so I would love to love I would absolutely love to have you back to not only finish discussing this book, but talk about the other books that you wrote. It's it's an amazing book. It's such a quick read. It's very hard for me to sit down and not get distracted. I read this book so fast. It was absolutely amazing. The book is called Shame Nation, The Global Epidemic of Online Hate, uh, written by Sue Chef and Melissa Shore, the forward by Monica Lewinsky. Uh, we will post a link to not only... Uh, your website but uh, a place where our listeners can buy the book and I got to tell you thank you for sending it to me because it was an absolutely enjoyable read and it's just it's truly just information that should be passed along to everybody parents kids but absolutely loved it
2: I appreciate it I thank you so much I really do appreciate it
0: and I we would love to have you back on and Sue I if you write this other I book, I want to come
2: back on. You guys are great. I want to come back on. We
0: would love to have you on. And it I want to know
2: where I want to. I want to know where your standup is. because oh. my son is over there. I'm going to send him over there.
0: I will get you that. Yeah, you've been so great at working out the uh, uh, the kinks of our schedule and and making this happen. That couldn't be more thankful. And it was well worth the wait getting you. On our show today. So thank you so much, Sue. The book is Shame Nation. I absolutely loved it. Um, and hope, I really do hope that we're on the road a lot. We can run into you and have you out at one of our shows coming up soon.
2: Oh, that's great. I appreciate it. Thank you thank so you. much,
0: Sue. Thank you for writing an amazing book. We appreciate it.
2: Great. I, I hope to see you soon.
0: You absolutely will. There she is. Sue Chef everybody. Okay. The book is called Shame Nation, The Global Epidemic of Online Hate. Written by Sue Chef and Melissa Shore, the forward by Monica Lewinsky. Check it out. We will post links to how you can buy the book on our website, on our Gentleman's Dojo Facebook page uh, with this episode. But um, absolutely love the book. Check it out. So much more to still talk about with her, um, but we ran out of time. So, with that said, yes, my darling, the Gentleman's Dojo I'm comes to a conclusion tonight. here uh, with our I guest Sue Chef. No. Dodie Stevens. Thanks to everybody for listening. Keep following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that other good stuff. Uh, Patrick Keane will be with Steve Byrne this weekend at the Punchline in Sacramento, so go check out those shows. Uh, Steve will be joining us when he can back in studio. He is busy working on movies, TV shows, but He's I a very busy man. Really, really uh, thank you, everybody, for continuing to listen to us. Thank you for everybody here at the thank All Things Comedy Network. We can't say thank you enough for all the support we get here, um, and we appreciate it. I've been your host, Gary Cannon. For Patrick Keene, thank I you one more time to for to it. listening so to another friend. edition of The Gentleman's Dojo. Goodbye.
2: The truth is my love. That she wanted you for her own. You don't really have to doubt me. Nor must you go on